Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Flea Flicker. I'm your host, Sean Moon, and I want to welcome you back. I know it's odd that I get a chance to actually do two. I did one yesterday. I get a chance to do one today again. It's not often I get a chance to do, you know, back-to-back episodes. But again, I try to do the best I can to get information out there as it comes and give you my opinion on certain subjects. Of course, like most people, we have nine to five jobs unless you're lucky and podcasting is your career you can make x amount of dollars off of it um i do not i do not however i wish i could certainly love to step away from what i'm doing in the real world but unfortunately things don't play out that way uh as i started most of my podcast for the uh viewers who listened listen to me for the very first time i want to say thank you for doing so please I encourage you to invite all your family your friends your loved ones your neighbors to come please please listen to the podcast I try to grow grow it more and more day by day month by month hopefully year by year uh, for those viewers that have been from day one I want to say thank you for doing so and please continue to come on back and certainly uh, invite your family friends loved ones neighbors as well don't come on in this is a family podcast there is no you know no no cursing no radar or material here it's just a man just a man giving his opinion um before we start off uh tomorrow i like to tomorrow would be one year ago tomorrow that i started this this journey in podcasting and uh it has been fun it has been real it has been very interesting to do this to come out and uh, do this. I believe this is my 70, I want to say 75th episode, I want to say. I might be wrong on that. And certainly, I didn't think that I would really get to this point, but uh, I'm glad I have, and I want to continue to do this. Uh, hopefully, there is more years to come to do these podcasts, and hopefully the audience will continue to grow, and maybe one one of these days... And I can get the material out there, get my voice out there. It can be heard and build an audience, build a crowd, and uh, certainly make a name, make a name for uh, myself. It's something that everybody wants, strives to do. Whether you're podcasting, a writer, uh, I've done both. I've had a chance to write for a year. Uh, I have also now in podcasting. So hopefully, one of these days, you want to make your dreams come true and. Um, that's why I always said, you know, you know, shoot for the stars. Always believe in what you can do, and that goes for anybody, whether you're my age or you're a young, a young kid, boy or girl. If you got a dream, shoot for it. You know, don't let anybody tell you that you can't achieve whatever that you want to achieve, whatever that, whatever that it might be. Again, enough of that, ladies and gentlemen. Let's let's jump right into some things. Uh, first of all. It seems like the uh, the NFL family continues to be cursed. A couple more deaths to report. Uh, everybody remembers uh, Tony Saragusa. If you don't know Tony, for those fans, he was a, uh, a nose tackle for the Indianapolis Colts for many, many years. Uh, had good years for the Colts. Wasn't really well known until he went to the Baltimore Ravens and where he became a big body run blocker. Played behind, played behind, behind guys like 
Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, who got more, maybe more the recognition, but people knew who Tony was, and people in the NFL knew who Tony was. Uh, Tony Saragusa, after his career, he became a sideline reporter for for a couple of seasons. But unfortunately, unfortunately, he passed away. I believe it was yesterday at the age of 55, and that's certainly sad. Uh, certainly, um, my condolences to his family, his friends, to the Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens organizations who he, who he uh, played for. Uh, Noah Death is a player that I know a little bit about. Never had a chance to see him. Hugh McLennan, if I've pronounced if I've mispronounced the name wrong, I apologize. I apologize. He was a uh, a halfback back in the uh, 50s for the San Francisco 49ers. I believe he played a little bit for the Minnesota Vikings as well. Uh, he got more recognition playing for the 49ers in the 50s because he had a pretty big, uh, pretty big backfield. Uh, quarterback was Y.A. Tittle. John Henry Johnson was a uh, top-notch player. Uh, Hugh had a very successful career. He was an uh, all-purpose guy. Could uh, run, catch back that backfield, and return punts. He was kind of more like a he was more like a modern day Roger Craig to the San Francisco 49ers, if if I wanted to use kind of that comparison. I don't think Roger Craig returned kicks or punch, nothing like that. But that was that's what he was. He was that type of guy before the Roger Craigs or Christian McCaffrey's of the world came along and made an impact in the NFL. So again, my condolences got to the 49ers, the Vikings, his you know, his family, friends, and loved one as well. All these deaths, it's just certainly it is um, sad. Of course, we are talking about Jalen Ferguson, the 26-year-old uh, linebacker for Baltimore Ravens. He had passed away again a couple days ago as well. And um, again, the NFL family seems to be seems to be cursed. But again, my condolences go out to these families, friends loved ones, you know, former teammates and organizations. The next big subject we'll jump right into is, I guess you've heard the recent interview that Mike Tomlin had, and the word was on the street, the rumor going around that there was a possibility that Antonio Brown would want to return to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Mike Tomlin, in a recent podcast, kind of recent podcast, I believe it was, pretty much had shot shot that down and said, no, I do not want Antonio Brown back at all. Now, of course, I go deeper, deeper into the, going deeper into the uh, article and reading and doing some research. I think Antonio Brown was coming out and saying that he wanted to retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler. You know how some players sign a one-day contract and retire with that team. I believe that's where the indication for Antonio Brown was going. I think that's what he wanted to do, and I could be wrong on that, but that's kind of how I took it, that Antonio Brown wanted to sign a one-day contract and then retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Now, I think Mike Tomlin, I mean, Mike Tomlin went on, took the high road in this in this interview, and he praised Antonio Brown for his for his play, for his hustle, you know, with the with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, and to Mike's credit, Mike is absolutely right. If you look at the, I believe the stretch, 
that Antonio Brown had with the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was certainly unbelievable. He put up Hall of Fame-like numbers. He was one of the best receivers in the game for that stretch that he was around. There was no denying his talent. But towards the, in the end of the Pittsburgh Steelers run, Antonio wanted to be paid high dollar. And, and who knew that Antonio Brown would have started a trend where guys like the Julio Jones of the world, Michael Thomas, got paid the big bucks. And then we went on to now we've got the A.J. Browns in the world getting paid the big dollars. Uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, we can go on and on now. The receivers are now getting paid big bucks. The receivers that may very well get paid big bucks. Maybe like Terry McClain might get paid big bucks. Maybe D.K. Metcalf. Or Debo. Maybe he will get paid the big bucks. I, yeah, Antonio might have started a trend. The receivers getting big bucks. But there's no doubt that. Uh, but again, Mike Tomlin took the high road. And he preached that you know Antonio Brown was a good ball player for his or for the for the organization, and he was. Antonio was a like I said was a good was a top notch player for the organization. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know the Pittsburgh Steelers, they know how to find find those wide receivers. You know we go all the way back to the Len Swan and John Stallworth. If you remember them, Louis Lips was an underrated a very underrated player. Heck, people remember Pulasco Burroughs. He was a good draft pick. Hines Ward. Hines Ward had a great career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then along came a guy like Antonio Brown. Pittsburgh has always had a habit of drafting, knowing to, where to find those receivers. They've always had a knack for doing that. But again, the thing about it is Antonio Brown had, had a, had a, great, had a uh, nice stretch with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is unfortunate that once he left and got once he got his money and left to go to the Raiders, it's like ever since he left Pittsburgh, things went downhill. It didn't work out for the Raiders, it didn't work out for the Patriots, and it didn't work out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, there was a stretch with Tampa Bay where Antonio Antonio did an outstanding job being a number three receiver, which is what what he was gonna do, because you had Mike Evans, you already had Chris Godwin. When Antonio Brown was healthy, he was a, a very good number three receiver. And there were games he was putting up better numbers than Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Then the injuries kind of bit him, kind of bit him in the butt. And then he flew off the uh, flew off the deep the deep end. And there was there was controversy that his ankle wasn't hundred percent and he's then the team tried to push him out on the field to play off off a bad ankle. And then of course, um that episode where he was like, you know, he was pretty much dancing off the field or jumping off the field, whatever you want to say. And at the time, it didn't like his ankle looked that bad to me. If you had a bad ankle, you wouldn't be able to do none of that stuff. But now, Antonio doesn't have a job in the NFL, and there's no team that's going to really want to give Antonio Brown that chance because of because of off the field issues, because of explosions like he had in Tampa Bay. And it's a sad thing, because as crazy as it sounds, Antonio could be a good number three receiver for a lot of teams in the in the, in the NFL. Because when he was healthy, he played he played well for Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to me, the sad part of that is he could still do that to this day. You take a look at the teams right now in this league that could use 
a solid number three receiver. I mean, I can think of one team now, the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are a playoff contender. It'll probably come down to them in Tennessee in the AFC South. But can you imagine a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan? He could tutor a nice young receiver and Michael Pittman, who's coming who's coming to his own. I mean, heck, if Antonio could come to camp in great shape, keep his head on straight, heck, Antonio could be a number two receiver for the Colts, as crazy as that sounds, and produce. What about the Tennessee Titans? You think about it. You've got a rookie receiver. Robert Woods is coming off of an ACL injury. They could use some help at receiver. Heck, Antonio Brown could go in, and heck, Antonio could be maybe a number one receiver for the uh, <laughs> for the Titans, as crazy as that sounds. But he could do that. The only problem is, instead of the ball still goes to Derrick Henry and the running game. But can you imagine a guy like Brown in Tennessee? He would be a boost to the, to the offense. I mean, you can go around this, you can go around. You know, the funny, as crazy as it sounds, it is laughable. The Dallas Cowboys, I know it's laughable. But you got Michael Gallup who's hurt. Could be after the first three or four games. You do have C.D. Lamb, but you've got a lot of question marks after that at receiver. What about it? What if Antonio Brown rolled into Dallas? Heck, Brown could be the number could be the number two receiver. You could have Brown on one side, C.D. Lamb on the other side. <laughs> It'd be an interest, interesting thought, but I can't see Mike McCarthy or Jerry Jones really putting up, putting up with it. Can you imagine? Can <laughs> I want to laugh. I kind of want to fall on forward and laugh. But you ever think about the Green Bay Packers? Of all the receivers they've got, can you imagine Antonio Brown going to the cold Green Bay and putting them with Aaron Rodgers? And then again, maybe I can't see that because I can see the the egos would clash between Antonio and Aaron Rodgers. Too many egos in the room right there. But it would, it would have been but it would have been a very interesting thought. I mean, there were some options out there for Antonio if. If he didn't explode the way he did or be volatile as he is, the guy could probably still have a career in the NFL. Again, he could be a number three receiver for somebody skilled. And I believe Antonio's, what, 30, 34 now, I believe, maybe. I might be wrong on that. And again, you still got wide receivers out there that are that don't that don't have teams. Julio Jones is a prime example. Julio Jones is one of the best receivers in the game for several years, and now injuries have bit come back to bite him in the butt the last two years. Atlanta got rooted. He didn't pan out in Tennessee because of injuries. And now a guy like Julio Jones is out there. A name that people don't really talk about that much. What about Emmanuel Sanders? Now, Emmanuel, I think, is 34, 35 years old, but it seems like every, every team Emmanuel Sanders goes to, he seems to somehow, some way, shape, or form, seems to contribute somehow, and he's out there. And again, a guy like Antonio Brown, he can still be productive. As a number three receiver, heck, Antonio can maybe be a number two receiver at this at this stage. I know that sounds crazy to say, but he could, could be a decent number two receiver for somebody, depending on the team and the need of that team. But for but going back to it, Mike Tom, Mike Tomlin took the high road. He did say the right thing. 
now at this stage. I don't think I see Antonio going back to Pittsburgh. I don't think they would need him in Pittsburgh. Deontay Johnson stepped up, became a number one receiver last year. Claypool, I think more be asked to chase Claypool this year. Boys we put upon him. They rely on the they rely on Ray Pickens, the man they drafted from the University of Georgia. Who some people were comparing to AJ Green, even. They might ask him to step his game up a little bit. They got to put more pressure on him. But I don't see, but no, I can't see Antonio going back. Then again, you know, let's put it this way. There is no Big Ben. Big Ben has rode off into the sunset. There are some players that are not there anymore that were there when Antonio Brown was there. And then again, there may be a few people that are still around that were there when he was there, but not many. And I don't know if I can say Antonio Brown getting along with Mitchell Trubisky. I don't see that. I don't see an impatience with Mason Rudolph or young Kenny Pickett. I don't see... Antonio Antonio would have to have a veteran-like quarterback to pick his game up to make you know pick his game up and a guy who had to be a guy like a Tom Brady or Matt Ryan a, a veteran quarterback that can keep that could that would keep his attention. But again, with Antonio Brown, he's like most D receivers. He's going to want the ball. And if he wins now, the thing is, if he goes to the Colts, he's got a good young running back in Jonathan Taylor. But Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. Is a, is, a, is a decent quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill has his ups and downs. I don't see Antonio Brown really going to Tennessee because I think he would get ticked off at uh, Tannehill's inconsistency. And again, you got Derrick Henry. And Dallas. It would be an interesting fit for Dallas for the simple fact is that Dak is still is still young. I mean CeeDee Lamb would never be a number one receiver. But to me Brown could have stepped right in and be a number two until Gallup got back. But we'll see. But in time, I guess a lot of people say Antonio Brown has no way to blame, but Antonio Brown, right? But with Mike, Tam Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin didn't lie to people. He told the truth. He knew what Mike. He knew what, he knew Antonio Brown for what nine years. He knew what the capabilities of Antonio Brown was. He knew how good of a player he could be and was for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And as the Pittsburgh Steelers, he had Hall of Fame like numbers with the outburst. And the off-the-field issues, it hurt. It really hurt what could have been even a better career. Antonio did get a Super Bowl ring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So with that being said, Antonio Brown, maybe he feels, hey, I can ride off in the sunset. I've got a Super Bowl ring. I've got good numbers. But will those numbers be enough to get him into the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Time will only tell on that. Of course, you got some guys that are probably in the Hall of Fame that probably don't have Antonio Brown-like numbers. But, but you have to wonder, does it, 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 if there's even a slim possibility, because off-the-field issues hurt his chances, even though he has the numbers. 
I mean, people made that assumption with Terrell Owens for years. Terrell had the numbers, make no mistake about it. But Terrell, but Terrell never got along with the media. He was always, he always exploded on teammates and his quarterbacks over the years. But the thing about Terrell Owens is he never had an off-the-field issue, whereas Antonio Brown did. Terrell never did. The media didn't like Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens didn't like the media. And sometimes the media can be finicky. And we all know that. Players know that. Celebrities know that. The media can be finicky. The media can ask you the wrong question that you really don't want to answer at that particular moment in time. But for yeah, but for Antonio Brown, it'd be interesting if he did sign a one-day deal with the Steelers and retire. I mean, I don't have an issue with that if that's going to be the case. But for Antonio Brown, it's kind of sad to see that his career has come to an end like this. But you never know. I don't know if there's going to be a team out there that's going to have to take a chance on him again. But again, Tomlin took the high road. He did the right thing. We'll see. Maybe Mike, maybe Brown does sign a one day contract and then he does retire a Steeler. We'll see. Now, the last couple of episodes, I've been having a segment where I, where I go, where I say, hmm, that's kind of an interesting thought. Well, let me give you, let me give you a new one to think about. I was reading, I was reading a Twitter feed coming from, um, I can't remember if it was a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers writer or a Dallas Cowboy writer right off the top of my head. But there was a rumor going around that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were interested in one Dalton Schultz. Now, Dalton Schultz, I don't believe Dalton signed, has been looking for a long-term deal. And he's not signed the uh, his contract, the one-year deal, I think it was worth like 10 points. Nine million or something, or something along those lines. And Dalton has been kind of upset that the Cowboys have not tried to come to some kind of agreement, signing to a long, long-term deal. And there was a rumor going around that that Dallas would trade him off to Tampa Bay for like a mid-round draft pick, sort of similar to the Amari Cooper-like deal that they did with the Cleveland Browns. And they figured maybe the Buccaneers can sign Dalton to a long, long-term long contract. Now, of course, the other rumor there, that's one possibility. There was a rumor going around there. Now, there's no possibility that he that the he will probably sign with the Cowboys for the $10.9 million and he'll become a free agent after, after the season. Now... For Tampa Bay is I you know I kind of get get the reason why it came out. Gronk has Gronk has retired, and now we're worried about the tight end situation. Gronk is retired. O.J. Howard is no longer in Tampa Bay. He's with the Buffalo Bills. Now Cameron Brate has a pretty good rapport with Tom Brady. Now Cameron Brate might not be Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews. He might not be those type of guys. But Bray has, but but Cameron Bray, when he needs to step up, he does step up. Tom Bray's got confidence in Mr. Bray, 
So I'm not worried about Cameron Ray trying to put up solid numbers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He'll put up quality numbers, but he's not going to put numbers that are going to blow you away. But he's good. Now they drafted a, a young man. They drafted a tight end. And for the simple reason is, in case Gronkowski wasn't going to come back, well, this young man's going to have to accelerate his progress quick and fast. Now, I'm sure Tampa Bay could very well play a two-tight end system with Bright and this young man. I mean, it's kind of almost in some, I'm not, but then again, you do have Mike Evans. You don't know when Chris Godwin's going to get back. Russell Cage is going to have to step up. Perryman is going to have to step up. A couple of young receivers, they're going to have to step up their game because of Godwin. There's no more Gronkowski. So, yeah, the game's going to be stepped up, stepped up from a lot of teams. Now, from Dalton now, do the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers, in my opinion, do not need a Dalton Schultz. Now, I'm sure there's teams in the league that could use a decent tight end like a Dalton Schultz. I mean, what about the New York Giants? The Giants could use Dalton Schultz, but then Yank would trade him to your own division rival. I don't see that happening, really. Our thought process, what about the New Orleans Saints? Now, I can see him. I can see him in the Saints uniform to go along with hopefully a healthy Mike Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Oliva, the guy from the draft from Ohio State. I mean, I can see that possibility happening. That would be an interesting fit. But, of course, the Saints, I think they've got salary cap issues. But then again, what NFL team don't seem to have salary cap issues? There are teams, some teams out there that do not have salary cap issues. But the Saints were one that were trying so hard to get under under that cap. But you got to be honest. There's, like I said, there's teams out there that would want Dalton Schultz. But for the Cowboys to sit back and say, we'll give you, we'll give you, you give us a fourth round pick for Dalton Schultz, I think it's kind of stupid on the Dallas's part. I know Amari was going to make $20 million this year. They had to get rid of him because they had to get under the cap. And Cooper, the funny thing about it is Cooper played good ball with the Raiders. They traded him. He played well for the, for the Cowboys. Now he goes from the Cowboys to the Browns. And we'll see how productive the game be with the Cleveland Browns. It's not like Amari Cooper is a, is a horrible receiver. He's a talented receiver. Could be a, probably a top, what, 15 receiver in this, the top 15 receiver in this league Cooper is. But the thing is, it's all about the money. It's big business, right? And like any NFL team, it's a business. But the notion of Dalton Schultz going to Tampa Bay, I don't really see it happening. I don't think Tampa Bay needs a Dalton Schultz. But for Dallas, for a talent like this, if you want to keep your quarterback happy, you need to figure out something. Because you've already shipped that Almighty Cooper out the door. If you didn't ship Cooper out the door, you could have had Cooper and Lamb again. But you need to find a way to get Dalton Schultz. Somehow, Jerry Jones needs to work his magic with the numbers and get Dalton Schultz in there. Because the way it's going, we're going to assume for the sake of argument, Dalton does sign that contract, that one-year contract. And if he goes out the door... I know the Dallas did draft, did draft a uh, tight end from Wisconsin, but to me, 
Dalton is the man, and the way Dallas needs to figure out a way, some way, shape, or form, to re-sign Dalton Schultz. It's an interesting thought for the Buccaneers to take where they want Dalton Schultz, because I can see Dalton Schultz working with Tom Brady. And I get it, I get it, the Tampa Buccaneer fans, Gronk is retired, or so we think. I still got a feeling if Tom needs, if Tom gives Gronk a call and say, I need you, will Gronk pick up the phone and come back to Tampa Bay? I still think it's possible, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if this one, this retirement sticks with Rob Gronkowski. But I had to file it under, hmm, Donald Schultz, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I don't see it happening, but I'm interested to see what what's going to happen with Dallas. Will Dalton get a long-term deal with the Dallas Cowboys? My thing is, if you traded Amari Cooper, who was a pretty decent receiver in this league, and Dalton Schultz is coming to them as a quality tight end in this league, I had to wonder for Jerry, just Jerry wasn't short, short the Bucks. You got to remember, He's got a lot tied up in one Dak Prescott. He's got a lot tied up in Ezekiel Elliott. He had a lot tied in to one Dexter Lawrence. He's got a lot of money tied in to about three or four different players. And for a guy like Dalton Schultz, he's got to thank Dak the money some way, some shape, and some form to get him in, to get him to save the team, and to keep the quarterback happy. And to be honest with you, Jerry and Stephen Jones need to keep that in mind. I gotta keep my man happy because you got my man Dak Prescott. Let's remember. Because at one point in time it was a, a running team first, Dak second. The last few years it's been Dak first, running game second. And if that's if that's the direction that we're going in, then you need to keep your boy Dak happy and you need to sign up come to some type of agreement with Dalton Schultz. I'm not saying that you need to break the bank. For Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is not Travis Kelsey. But he's a, he's a good enough tight end. Where Dak Prescott trusts him. He relies on him. He has faith in him. And that right there is a way that you're going to have. Somehow come up with some contract with your parameters. That's not going to break the bank. That's going to that could try to keep him in Dallas. And make him a valuable option for Dak Prescott. Let's uh let's jump out of the pro football for a few minutes. Now let's jump into college. And I guess we've heard the news that Peyton and Eli Manning's nephew is now going to the University of Texas. That he has made a commitment to the University of Texas. He had schools, I believe, like Alabama, wouldn't like Alabama, maybe Georgia. There's a couple of schools that were interested. But it's had shows University of Texas. Now, Grand Texas, they will be going into the SEC with Oklahoma here soon. So, again, you'll have Anola Manning in the SEC with what? Peyton with Tennessee. You had Eli with, with Mississippi. And also, of course, Archie was with Mississippi. So now... He stays, he will stay in the SEC with Texas. Now, he goes to a pretty good coach. Steve Sarkeesian is a pretty, is a, is a pretty good quarterback, is a, is a pretty good quarterback's coach. 
he's a, he's a he's a good offensive coordinator. He has worked with you got to remember he worked he worked with Matt Ryan a few years ago. He worked with some quarterbacks in Southern Cal. I mean, Steve has a track and course. He did work with Alabama. Now, it'll be interesting to see what young, what young, new young Manning will he will he carry on the tradition. I know Texas, if I read correctly, they've got a couple of uh, other quality quarterback prospects that are there. And young Manning is going in. He is going to try to compete with that. It'll be interesting to see what uh, see what the young man, the young man can bring to the table, and can he claim that job? Because it doesn't seem to be his. For is doesn't seem like he's gonna come in and get get the you know the start of the snap of his finger. I don't think Peyton did, and I don't think Eli did. They had to work and work, and I'm sure this young man's gonna have to work. We'll we'll see if the young man can step step his uh, game up, and we'll see if he can bring Texas back back to the promised land. I think you know they had a losing record last year, um, and Texas you're going into a Texas is going into a tougher situation. Still, you still got Oklahoma to contend with. You got the Alabamas in the world. You got the defending national champion Georgia got to deal with. The SEC is still, without a doubt, one of the strongest conferences around. It's still number one in my mind. I'm sure it's still number one in a lot of people's mind. But you bring in Oklahoma, you bring in Texas, you make the SEC even stronger than it was before. Now, Oklahoma, there's no more Lincoln Riley. Some people that feel that Oklahoma may take a dip, may take a step backwards. And that could well be the case. Texas... It's been a while since Texas has had a powerhouse. There was a point in time where it seemed like they were getting back on the right track, and then they kind of dipped, dipped once again. But for young Manning, I'm interested to see what he, if he if he does end up winding being a starter. I love to see him against Nick Saban. I love to see him against Kirby Smart in the University of Georgia. I would love to see if the young man has. Some of his uncle, like Uncle Peyton's gifts in him, that he can read read some of these defenses. I'm interested to see, does he have the arm? Can he read those defenses? Because it'll be very interesting to see. Because the SEC is still one of the, is the toughest conference in all of college football. And the young man, I give him credit. He didn't shy away from competition because the SEC is certainly top notch competition. And when the SEC network. Is uh you know is on ESPN, and I love you know I like the SEC Network. If I get a chance, I certainly love watching the SEC football. I am a Ohio State fan, but the SEC, again, I call it like I see it, and I'm not like I said I'm not I'm not gonna be biased. The SEC is still the best conference in football. It has produced a, several national championships for the last several several years. Whether it's Alabama, whether it's Georgia, it's certainly hard to. It's still one of the best conference. It is the best conference in football. You might, I don't know, I don't know what else. It's certainly not the Pac-10. It's not the Big Ten. It's not the ACC. The SEC is still the best conference in football, and certainly, certainly, Mr. Manning will have to. Uh, 
like I said, he guess he's not shying away from the competition. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see if he become if he becomes a starter in the future, and we'll see how he does against the SEC competition because it's not going to be yeah, it's not going to be all all fun and games. He'll have to go against Mississippi. He'll have to go against Tennessee, Mississippi State. Like I said, the University of Florida. It's a great win. It's 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 a tough it's a tough conference. Like I said, young young Manny is not shying away from the competition, but we'll see what he can do. And again, like I said, the SEC is on ESPN. So the young man, the young man, Texas, Texas will get some exposure. Now I don't know. I don't know. I'm assuming that there still is the Longhorn Network. If I I know that when I when I had Verizon, I could get the Longhorn Network, and it was kind of interesting. But every once in a while, I catch a University of Texas game. I don't know if that's still out there. I'm going to assume it's it. Might be, I don't know. But it's interesting. You start along the Longhorn Network, the SEC Network. Young man will get a lot of exposure, and I'm sure he'll be on ESPN. ABC will have their Saturday night games. So, young, so trust me, young man will get his exposure, and we'll see how good he really is. He can be against the best conference in football. Certainly, SEC. Now, here's something else that does kind of concern me a little bit. Something might make you say, uh oh, here we go. Everybody talked about the Los Angeles Rams in the offseason about restructuring, uh, giving, getting Matthew Shafter more money, Aaron, Aaron Donald's got more money, Cooper Cup has got more money. You brought in Allen Robinson on a nice little contract. Now, to my understanding about the uh, to my understanding, Allen uh, Allen Robinson is seems to be impressing um, Sean McVay and he's impressing Matthew Stratford on how quickly he is picking up picking up the system. Now, to me, there's never a doubt about Allen Robinson's talent. Allen has had injuries. He's had injuries, and of course he played with a pretty bad Chicago Bear offense, but now you go from a pretty bad Chicago Bear offense to a pretty potent offense in the Rams with a veteran quarterback, uh, one of the best head coaches in the game in Sean McVay. So I'm not surprised Allen is playing well. But for the Rams, for all the good news, there seems to be a slight case of bad news. I guess we've heard, I guess you've heard the story that uh, Jalen Ramsey had some Shoulder surgery here recently, and he should be ready to go by opening day. Now, a lot of times I would I would sit back and say, okay, you know, it's just it's 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 just a you know a little bit of an injury. Yeah, yeah, he'll be back. He'll be all right. But to me, to me, it is a concern. To me, the biggest thing is Jalen Ramsey is at least in was a pro football focus, was still the top cornerback in the league last year. And Jalen Ramsey is, is one of these one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And you expect him to be, he's going to cover your number, all the guys' number one receiver. It's a concern to me when you have a player of 
his caliber at a very important position, cornerback, for years, you know, for years in football times, it was like you had to have a good quarterback, a nice left tackle, you got to have a cornerback. Yeah, and maybe, yeah, and maybe some like, maybe like a receive, like a little receiving help. And that was kind of, that was kind of like your cornerstone, cornerstone. Well, Jalen Ramsey is a cornerstone for the Rams defense, certainly. I get, you can talk about Aaron Donald all you want. And Aaron certainly deserves all the accolades he gets. But everybody knows who Jalen Ramsey is. He is still one, he is the, one of the best cornerbacks. If not, some may say he could be the best cornerback in the league. But my concern is injuries. Now, to be honest with you, I don't think Jalen's going to play any preseason games anyway because Sean McVay does not like, not like to play his veterans during the preseason. And I kind of get it. And I kind of understand it because you don't want to take a chance of your veterans. You don't want to take a chance of Matthew Strafford dropping back for a pass and some uh, some young rookie falls falls on his leg and breaks his leg and he's gone for the season because of that. I get that and you understand that. And a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches in the league have taken that philosophy as well. You don't want, you know, then again, some coaches you want to see their veterans play in the last preseason game and get in a couple of um, a couple of offense, offensive and defensive, you know, plays to see, you know, just, just to see them on the field, pull them out, and then the guys that need to try and see if they can make the team, they, they play the most most ball. I get that. But for Jalen Ramsey, any type of injury, whether it's a shoulder injury, is, is a concern to me. Because you have to wonder, A, can he, how quickly can he recover from this? Now, you, I know we get it. We're here in late June, and the season doesn't start until, what, you know, it doesn't start until, what, September, where the case might be. In September, the case is becoming, I believe they've got to face, I believe they got an opening game against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken. And if my thing is, if Jalen Ramsey's not 100%, on opening day, he's going to have he has a tough assignment against one Stephon Diggs, and if he's not one hundred percent healthy, Stephon Diggs could have a good day. It could be a bad day for the defending Super Bowl champion Rams. But for me, any injury for a guy like Jalen Ramsey, it's a concern. Now, like I said, I don't think that he was going to play any preseason games anyway because Sean McVay does not like play any of his veteran players at all whatsoever. But to me, injuries to any type of player, even though it's here is late June, and you can say he had his he had shoulder surgery, but he was ready to go. But any injury from an important clock in a team like Jalen Ramsey is a huge concern to me. And again, he better be he better be one hundred percent coming out of the gate because if you gotta play Stephon if you gotta cover Stephon Diggs game one and you're not hundred percent. Stephon Diggs is a good enough receiver where he can cheat you up and spit you out. And that is a concern to me. Now, the Buffalo Bills, their offensive line is, is let's say it's middle of the pack of the league. And can Aaron, can Aaron Donald company put, get pressure on Josh Allen? Yeah, they probably could. I don't doubt, deny that a bit. But Josh Allen is mobile enough. Now, I know that 
the Buffalo Bills. They talked about they want to not make him as, as, as mobile this year, and they want him to pass more in the pocket. Now, I can understand the Buffalo Bills' perspective on that, but if it ain't broken, you don't want to fix it, right? I mean, that's like telling Lamar Jackson he needs to stay in the pocket and pass the ball more. It's not going to happen. Josh was successful at what he did last year, and he needs to continue to do that. I know you don't want Josh to run the ball an awful lot. I get that, and I understand that. But for me, it worries me that, again, a guy like Jalen Ramsey, any type of injury, shoulder injury, it's a concern. Because you're reigning, you're reigning defending Super Bowl champions. And you want to be, you want your team to be 100% healthy. And one of your best players just coming off a shoulder surgery, which you think he'll be ready by opening day. Again, Jalen could go out there and be 90%. And I'm sure in some people's eyes, 90% Jalen Ramsey is better than most cornerbacks in his league. And that's probably a true statement. But I want 100% Jalen Ramsey against Stephon Diggs. I don't want an 85, 90% Jalen Ramsey. And if Buffalo somehow goes out there and beats the defending champions, I'm not gonna say, "Oh my gosh, the Rams!" You know, the Rams are the Rams are not gonna be gonna have a horrible year because they lost to a pretty a pretty good Buffalo built team. I'm not gonna say that, but the point is, any injury and you having surgery this late, it's a concern to me, just from this, just from my perspective. Some people would just like. You know, just shrug it off and like, okay, you know, don't worry about it. Jalen will be 100%. He'll be ready to go. He can cover anybody. He'll he'll be able to cover anybody in this league. But my thing is, it's a concern to me. Because that shoulder, who knows how long that shoulder could, it could linger on into the season. It doesn't matter if your name is Stephon Diggs. He's got to cover or who, whoever the Rams are playing this season. To me, it's a, it's a slight concern. Call me, you know, call me maybe a word wart if you want to. But to me, any injury, any surgery that it has on any part of your body, I know here is June. To me, it becomes a concern. If you had the surgery, let's say back in February, I don't think nothing of it. But now this this report comes out, you had the surgery, you'd be ready to go about opening day. I'm, and that could well be the case, but it is a concern to me that this justice has come out and again for me it's just a concern now maybe again I'm wrong he comes out the gate and he picks off Josh Allen a couple of times and then we're saying okay well this is not yeah but if Stephon Diggs goes out there and catches 10 balls 150 yards and a couple of touchdown passes and Jalen Ramsey's covering him it becomes a concern. Then it's a huge concern to me. But we'll see. Now speaking, of, we'll, we'll stay on cornerbacks uh, for for my next one. Um, I read a very, very, I read a very interesting article in the, um, I believe it was off of uh, NFL uh, NFL.com. Uh, Jair Alexander, the 
cornerback for the Green Bay Packers, man, he just got a new contract this this past off season. He, you know, deserves and, and certainly deserves a contract. Jair, a lot of people don't really talk about Jair as one of the better cornerbacks in the league. You always hear Jalen Ramsey's name, uh, Xander Howard of uh, you know the Miami Dolphins, and there's others out there. But nobody talks about Jair Alexander. When you think of Green Bay, you will think of Aaron Rodgers. You would have thought of Devontae Adams, but no longer. You would think of, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Aaron Jones, maybe. But you don't think of a guy like Jair Alexander. Now, there was an article that was very, that was, that was very interesting. And Jair says he has been working with uh, a lot of the young receivers with the Green Bay Packers already as he is trying to, you know, teaching, you know, teaching when he was taught by one Devontae Adams. He said he had to cover Devontae Adams in practice pretty much every day, and he learned a lot from a guy like Devontae Adams as to how to, you know, more about coverage, wide receiver breaks, the way he does, and stuff like that. And Jair is now passing on his knowledge to guys like Watson, who drafted from North Dakota State, and some of the other younger receivers that are going to have to come in and step up their game for, yeah, because there is no more Devontae Adams there. And, you know, Devontae Adams taught Jair Alexander. Well, Alexander got hurt. The other first-round draft pick last year, Eric Stokes. And Devontae Adams was teaching Eric Stokes what he was doing, why he was doing it, and why he was doing what he was doing. Eric Stokes didn't get off to a great start with Green Bay Packers, but as the season went on, he developed and turned to be a pretty decent player. Now with Jair back this year with Eric Stokes, Green Bay has a pretty decent set of corners. But from Jair Alexander, I like I like I like what I'm hearing from him. You know, Devontae Adams taught him something. Devontae taught Eric Stokes a few things. Now Jair's gonna pass on addition to these young to these Young receivers that are coming in that are expected probably a lot more of them. Now, I get it that you know Sammy Watkins is coming in. He's a veteran receiver. Alan Lazard, who knows the system. Randall Cobb knows the system. You got some young, you got still some you know veterans. But Jair is trying to get is trying to get the young receivers ready for the next level. And he's probably I'm sure that he I'm sure that he has learned from Devontae Adams in some way and shape, shape or form. I'm sure he's learned from Aaron Rodgers himself. I mean, I'm not, you don't probably, you don't hear enough about, enough about it, but I wonder, I mean, you know, Jair could go to, to Aaron Rodgers and say, well, Aaron, why do you tell a player to go in this direction? Or why, why are you doing, why are you doing this for your receiver? You know, now I'm sure Jair is, passing his knowledge off to these young receivers, and he's telling them that, hey, this is what Devontae taught me. This is what Devontae was doing, or this is what this guy was doing. Hey, if I'm a cornerback, if I'm a cornerback, you know, hey, they could be another, cor- they, you know, whatever other cornerback that these young receivers are going to face in this league. You never know. They're going to have to face, at some point in time, a Jalen Ramsey or another top-notch cornerback in this league. And I'm sure they're saying that they're probably watching tape to see to see that's what Jalen Ramsey is doing to is doing to this receiver. 
if you go in this direction, you know, you'll have better success. Or if you do this, you'll have better success. And 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 the great thing Jair Alexander said is simply this: Iron does sharpen does sharpen iron. And he's one. He was like he was one of the more underrated cornerbacks in this league. And he did. He did get a good contract from the Packers, and rightfully so. He has proved his worth since he's been he has been drafted by the Packers. But I love, but I love the fact that the young man is passing on his knowledge. I'm sure, I'm sure he learned a lot from one Devonte Adams, and Devonte taught Eric Stokes, and now Jair is teaching the young receivers that are gonna, like I said, are gonna have to step their game up even more because Devonte's gone. But for Jair, I appreciate, I appreciate, I certainly appreciate what he is doing. He's teaching young players already. Hey, this is what this is. This is how this guy is going to play the play it. You need to play the play it this way. I get it. He's right. Iron does sharpen iron, and we'll see in due time if these if these young if these young receivers do take his words of wisdom and make themselves make themselves have a good rookie year where Aaron Rodgers can rely on them that much more because we all know Aaron Rodgers does not have a lot of confidence in young players. But if they can get off to that good of a start and then Aaron can trust them, then hey, maybe Green Bay will not maybe Green Bay will uh say Devontae Adams who I doubt that, but it'll be interesting to see if, if the knowledge Jair Alexander pass on if it does if it does seep in and will they use you know will they take his his knowledge to that next level that they can even take from there take from there but for Jair I do like the young I do like the young man's moxie and his thought process hey we gotta get these guys ready to step up to step up Before before we go, um, there was there was kind of an article that I got a chance to look at. And I like to read an awful lot, and it came from um, David Carr. I think he was ranking his top tight ends in the game in the game today. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he has top five receiver, top five tight ends. Um, number one, I think, was Darren Waller. Number two was George Kittle. Number three was Travis Kelsey. Four, four was Mark Andrews, and Mike Aletti was number five of the of the of the Miami Dolphins. Now, the only thing now, I am I like I'm a Darren Waller fan. I like Darren Waller, but the thing about what kind of made it interesting was this. It's kind of funny that David Carr took his brother's tight end, Derek Carr, and ranked him number one. Now. A lot of experts in the league are going to say that George, that excuse me, that Travis Kelsey is still the number one tight end in this league, and I absolutely agree with that. Now, for number two, my money still kind of goes on George Kittle. Now, I think with Kittle, I'm interested to see what Trey Lance is going to do. Now, to me, I would have Darren Waller number three on the list. Again, I'm interested because you got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, probably 100 balls this year, and I want to see. Darren Waller's numbers, if they're going to, I got to think Darren Waller's might dip a little bit because you got better options. Now, Mark Andrews is number four. I got no no problem with that at all whatsoever. 
Now, number five, Mike Lecky. Mike's a good player. Now, I don't know if I put him in my top five. And I'll be honest with you guys, I really don't know who I would put it put it at the number five at the number five slot. There's a lot of there's a lot of decent tight ends out there. Um, some people may put a guy like Kyle Pitts for the Atlanta Falcons on his second year as the as as the fifth best player. If you want, yeah, I mean you can kind of make if you want to make that assessment. You could probably make that you can make that assessment if you want to. So to me, it would still be Kelsey Kill Waller, yeah. But for me, I have to wonder if uh, you know David Carr didn't do it because Waller is a tight end on his brother's team. There's a lot of good tight ends in this league, but to me, Travis Kelsey is still number one. And a lot's gonna put a lot more on Travis Kelsey's probably shoulders this year because there is no more Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes trusts Travis Kelsey. Now, Kittle, I'm interested to see what Kittle can, Kittle can do. I know they're still going to run football in San Francisco, but Kittle is still, when he's healthy, is still one of the better tight ends in this league if he can stay healthy. Now, Waller, last year, Waller had some injuries, and his numbers were down a little bit because of those injuries. But to me, I cannot put, I, could, I can't put Waller over Kelsey. David Carr can do it. He's entitled to his opinion, but I would not put Kelsey over Waller. No way, shape, or form. I mean, some people may put Waller number two on that list, and maybe, maybe I can, maybe I can get with that. I would be totally shocked if somebody put even Mark Andrews number two on their list behind Travis Kelsey. If somebody did that, maybe I can get on board with that in some way, shape, or form. But to me. I get the point. I get the point that he's your brother's tight end. You got to put him number one. I mean, Wall would certainly be in my top five tight ends in the league. Absolutely, he would not be number one. If you want to make argument, he could be number two. I'm with you on that. Number three, sold. If you put him fourth on the list, I can get with you on that one. You might put Mark Andrews over Darren Wall if you want to. Maybe I'm okay with that. But he's not number one. He's not number one. On, he's not number one on my list. Is he in my top five? Absolutely so. But for number five, I, I like I like I like Big Mike. But to me, there might be somebody that's better suited for that fifth spot instead of Mike. Somebody put a guy like Kyle Pitts, who's on the upswing in this league. I may put Kyle Pitts number five over Mike. But we'll see. We'll see. But for me, like I said before, I'm not. I've always said it. I'm a Bengal fan, but I'm but I'm but I'm non-biased. If if I if I got to bash you because I don't tell you the truth, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm not gonna be you know I'm not gonna be biased towards any player or any team. I'm gonna call it like I see it. This is a straight podcast. I don't. I mean, yeah, I've got. I don't have. I show no favoritism towards anybody. I'll bash the Bengals. I'll bash any team under the sun I feel, or any player that I feel that is just in that. But to me, Darren Wall is not it's not the number one tight end. It's still Travis Kelsey. I'm with you on putting number two for your reason for me. I'm with you on those spots, but he's not number one in my mind. 
Ladies, that's all the time I have for this week's episode. Um, please take care of yourselves, and we'll talk again soon.